Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to make your next move into reality. Not to mention, with Squarespace's beautifully designed templates and customizable features, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. Simply add and arrange your content with the click of a mouse. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code PROOPS, P-R-O-O-P-S, to get 10% off your first purchase. District of Oklahoma City. It's a very, very big special occasion here in Oklahoma because Garth Brooks, uh, as you know, oh, 150 years ago, a warm wind swept across Oklahoma. And with that purging wind, the genocide of the Indians began, and finally, white people could find themselves where they needed to be. Pulling dinosaurs out of the ground from ancient aeons past and eating steaks the size of a truck tire. <laughs> Enduring the colon cancer and making sure that all the women fall in line and are either cheerleaders or prostitutes. And that was when Oklahoma was born. A land rush started. People were given wagons. A gun went off. And all of them went the other direction until they were forced to come to Oklahoma. <laughs> the unwilling land rush is what they called it. Out of the bubbling crude of the ground, out of the countless, countless millennia, where nature had forged bones into petroleum, sprang a man wearing a shirt, a giant black cowboy hat, and a blouse that was one color on one side and one color on the other. (laughs) On his face, a tiny Janet Jackson microphone. (laughs) He sang music for the simple folk of America. For the people who like to follow along by tapping their feet because they can't keep time. (laughs) Like NASCAR, you never knew how it was going to end because one side of his shirt was one color and one side was another color. The possibilities were virtually endless. And that man has descended again upon the town of his uh, domination, upon the town of his ascendancy, his Jerusalem. Okay, see... For a series of 400 shows over this weekend. (laughs) One every five minutes. So tonight, whereas last year we were here in Oklahoma City and we enjoyed empty streets and 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 an enormous heaving crowd in here, tonight we find ourselves hemmed in by $30 parking spaces. (laughs) Trucks that have been polished for the first time (sighs) since the children's orthodonture wasn't paid for. People who've left the confine of their double wide with the blue bucket outside to make the trek in to see the man who's descended down from the low hill of Olympia that is Oklahoma. So that's why we have come here tonight. Not only one to drop the knowledge, but also two to pay homage to that chubby cheek little rascal. 
Garth Brooks wasn't always a straight-ahead performer. There were moments of show business deviousness where he tried to head fake us one side to the other like the Oklahoma Thunder on a fast break. <laughs> the baffling Chris Gaines part of his career. <laughs> Having not chosen to be a skinny goth rocker, he adopted the persona using a trainer and a colorist. At the summit of his fame, he informed everyone in the universe that he was also Chris Gaines, moody alt-rocker. He went on Saturday Night Live and hosted the show as Garth Brooks, but performed as the musical act Chris Gaines. The dichotomy is clear, ladies and gentlemen. One foot's in heaven, but the other foot, wow. There might be an ankle tattoo if I drink enough beer. I lost my prayer book. For reals. I'm Chris Gaines. I can barely keep my hair out of my eyes. Hi, I'm Garth Brooks. I never say no to dumplings. Wow. Who am I to believe? It was like a Metallica song. There was so many elements. I've made myself laugh. The crowd... The crowd has been left in the devastating Oklahoma humidity. The weather today was like the planet Uranus. Methane. All of the smog of OKC. And by the way, Oklahoma City has the largest urban area of any city in Oklahoma. That is to say, other than the few blocks that we inhabit down here, where we allow Negroes, is... The only walkable place in this whole fucking state. <laughs> Everywhere else, you'd better get in a truck or you're going to die. Either hail or heat or a coyote or some fucking a Christian billboard that says lust sends you to hell is going to fall on your head and kill you. You better get in a vehicle in Oklahoma. Why? Oil. There are more earthquakes here than my beloved San Francisco. And it's not because nature intended it. It's because white men demanded it. <laughs> the rich white men of Oklahoma demanded the earth shake under Oklahomans' feet so that they could live just outside of town in a palatial mansion. <laughs> Their overlord, the Kremlin-controlled carrot, now controls the destiny of the universe. And this is what you get. First, it's earthquakes in Oklahoma, and then, wait for it, a tidal wave. <laughs> when the tsunami hits Oklahoma, and a giant moth comes over from Japan, and yes, you'll know what I am fucking talking about. Scott Pruitt, one of Oklahoma's greatest citizens, is in charge of dismantling the Environmental Protection Agency. It has now reached Orwellian proportions because the agency to protect the environment is being run by a man who's done nothing but sue it over its long, his long career. And he doesn't believe uh, in climate change and wants to have a televised debate where scientists have to go up against people who are lying. <laughs> it's an interesting debate. Um, I'm not one of those people who's like pro-cancer. But I kind of feel like getting on TV and going, well, there's not a lot of evidence there's global warming. 
I just bought a can- I just bought a condo in the Florida Keys because I want to be able to feed fish from my breakfast table. Uh, no, when man could never alter his environment. <clears throat> uh, and the crowd's gone quiet. Greg, why don't you tell us something we don't fucking know? Um, almost everything I'm about to tell you, you don't know. I've received very lovely gifts here tonight. Uh, no weed. And um, our buddy uh, Alex has given us, uh, his father has recently returned from Rome. We never established exactly why your father was in Rome, Alex. Is he, let me just guess on this. Your father's a defrocked priest who's gone back to visit at the monastery where he took his uh, uh, um, theological schooling. Am I right? That is astounding. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know, Alex. We just met. Uh, my guess is he's over on a business deal or maybe a holiday with your mom. Uh, no, I'm in the Navy. He's in the Navy? Yes. The Italian Navy? Yes. That is so sexy. <laughs> in Italy, uh, they do things right. First of all, their government's been like this for 150 years. So, yeah, my joke is always, after this last election, the one we had, I was, now we know what Italy feels like every year. <laughs> Who won the election? Hey! <laughs> somebody wins, somebody loses. It's crazy, it's crazy. Get out of my way, I knew you my break. Beep, beep. <laughs> so they're used to this. But awesomely, uh, the Italians do something we don't do, which is dress. Like, when you go to Florence or uh, Rome or not, people dress preppy in Florence, like, you know, uh, slacks and, and button-down shirts. And the women wear snappy clothes and, like, really Genshi fucking awesome Italian shoes and shit. And in Rome, the women wear really tight fucking clothes, right? Like, it doesn't matter. I remember we were shopping for clothes in Rome, and my wife came out, and she went, this is a little tight. And the shop girls were like, bella, right? Like, and they were, they were buxom, and they were like, Wah. you know, they were, they were cartoonish in their awesomeness. And... Uh, on TV, when they give the news, the, a, a, a uniformed officer from the Air Force gives the weather. So he's in a full dress uniform and he's like, Buonasera. Domani, You're right? And you're like, This is fucking sexy. Why can't we have an Air Force colonel come on and give the fucking weather? What the fuck? Oh, yeah, priests. Uh, the, 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 the women who, uh, uh, the, the traffic wardens in, uh, uh, in Florence wear sky blue uniforms with kicky little hats and skirts and ride little turquoise Vespas. <laughs> so they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you just gave my car a ticket. <laughs> Ciao. And you're like, you're in a sky blue outfit with a kicky cap. This is awesome. There's tribe stands. You guys know what tribe is. This is, this is a land of eating cows, steers, uh, gonads. Uh, hilariously, if you've never been to Oklahoma, uh, the Oklahomans, the Sooners here, and by the way, they're late, uh, call them... Oysters, and so they'll take you out and go, "You want some oysters?" And you're like, "Yeah, I adore oysters." And then a deep-fried thing comes, and you bite into it, and you're like, "This is a cow's testicle." <laughs> and that laugh you just heard is the laugh that you get at the table. 
thought it were an oyster. Yeah, it's part of the color. So I know y'all know what tripe is, but for our sensitive friends and for our vegan friends, uh, tripe is uh, uh, deep inside. And uh, it's what lies beneath. In Italy, they eat it on delightful Italian bread, like a roll, and it's drippy. So they scoop the tripe out of a, a thing where it's been boiling, the cart on the street, and people in Xenia suits with like $1,100 leather shoes, the men with the, those double, those brown loafers with the, the uh, 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 you know, the, the cardigan markings and the, and the double golden buckle that are so fucking like, wow, how do Italian guys do it? Hair slightly too long, big fucking definitive glasses. <laughs> Right, because it's Italy and all you're going to do is smoke and argue and never, ever, ever, ever work. <laughs> but you're going to look fucking fantastic. Your pants are going to fit. Uh, stand on the street, they, you see them, and they buy the tripe sandwich, and then they eat it like this because tripe just pours out the bottom. <laughs> Absolutely sensational. These are limoncello candy. Limoncello is an alcohol uh, made of lemons, and what its purpose is is to uh, give you diabetes while you look at it. It's uh, <laughs> extraordinarily sweet. Uh, when you're in the Isle of Capri, uh, there's lemon trees everywhere, and they drink limoncello constantly. And everywhere you go in Italy, uh, after a meal, they'll give you um, limoncello or, or before, and then grappa as well, uh, just with your meal. Like, you're just sitting there, and they come over, and then, hey, limoncello, and you're like, oh, yeah, and then you, you drink it, and you're like, oh, my God. It's thick and rich and yellowy, lemony cough syrup, but it's absolutely sensational. Thank you for these. Uh, unbelievably refreshing, but not as refreshing as peach iced tea, <laughs> which we had in Capri, I think it was. Jennifer had a Camparian orange, and I had a peach iced tea. Why are you telling us this? Because I want to see a little more sidewalk culture here. <laughs> you got the weather. I was standing outside before the show, and tonight, uh, today, the temperature was in the 90s, and the humidity was in the thousands. <laughs> in my hotel room, there was a mosquito that was quite insistent. <laughs> I said, let me in. Oh, it says, do not disturb. <laughs> this is Oklahoma. Uh, someone gave me this from Phil. Phil, did you give me all of these? Somebody left a bunch of books on this uh, uh, children's table here, and I don't, so I'm going to have to go through and I, okay, Phil, you gave me this, The Killing? Yes. Thank you for your succinct answers, Phil. <laughs> no and yes were the answers if anybody's marking their scorecard at home. To Greg from Phil, P.S. This also contains Killer's Kiss. The Killing is a movie by Stanley Kubrick. I don't remember what year, 57, 56, and uh, maybe later. Uh, they knock over a racetrack uh, with an elaborate plan and they have to hire a chess master at one point who's a former wrestler to start a fracas uh, that'll distract the cops while they run in to the cash room at the racetrack wearing rubber masks and hold the place up with guns. It is a fucking good movie. Uh, and then Killer's Kiss is a, a kind of a boxer movie that has a very insane scene in a mannequin factory. And uh, yeah... Uh, I'm trying to hip you to the jive here. This is early Kubrick. This is before Lolita and before uh, 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 2001 and before Clockwork Orange and all that. And if no one knows what I'm talking about, I don't care anymore. I've given up. 
I'm talking to myself, I'm in a room, I'm all alone, being a bubble, Greg, being a fucking bubble. They're looking at you, but don't let them look into your soul. My wife doesn't love Stanley Kubrick. I'm putting it mildly. I like Stanley Kubrick. Uh, she asserts that he has no humanity and that he doesn't care about acting at all. That's the exact reason I like him. <laughs> Have a gander at 2001. It's two hours and 45 minutes with an overture and an, uh, an entr'acte in the middle. There's intermission music. Oh yeah, there fucking is. And uh, the opening title is The Creation of the Universe. The second scene is The Dawn of Man. And at the end, before the last sequence begins, a title card comes up and it says, To the Infinite and Beyond. This is a movie, you guys. So, in order to make a movie like this, uh, you wear pretension lightly. And uh, it, it's, worth it. it's worth your time. It really is. Uh, the last 20 minutes are a psychedelic freakout. Um, and then, of course, there's Clockwork Orange, which we've read the, on the show before, and is a dystopian future where youth gangs terrorize everyone in a corporately disparate world where everything is disconnected and no one has any human... Get the idea? And, yeah, what? <laughs> Uh, and that movie is highly violent if you enjoy that type of thing. Uh, Barry Lyndon is the one that I, I... Barry Lyndon is an oil painting that takes two and a half hours to unfold. Uh, in one part, uh, a carriage goes from one end of the screen to the other in about five minutes <laughs> while classical music plays. So you're, you're kind of like, you're like, hmm. You have time to like make tea, to jot down notes and shit. I like the colors. And then there's scenes in, in Barry Lyndon where Kubrick decided to shoot without lighting and had candles and had cameras that could shoot in low light. So there's scenes shot in candlelight. Um, if I'm boring you to death, I don't care because this is the insanity of his filmmaking. And then that whole uh, argument that Stanley Kubrick uh, uh, you know, had full artistic control over his movies, which he did to, to a large extent. The studio rarely interfered with him. It was because he brought in everything under, under budget, even with all the overshooting. Uh, that's why they let him do it. He lived in St. Albans outside of London and had a whole studio there. I met his assistant once because I auditioned for Eyes Wide Shut and I was reading a line to him and his assistant uh, said to me, Leon, uh, said, uh, Greg, don't read the line like that. Stanley hates subtext. Uh, and I said, I saw 2001 at the, uh, uh, the Cinerama Dome in Hollywood when they re-released it a few years ago. And Leon went, I had to go to his house in St. Albans and get those tins and carry them over on the plane with me as luggage. He had them all around him. And that was how that film was transported from Stanley Kubrick's house. You follow what I'm saying? You didn't send a DVD. There isn't a print you can have. He had the print that they showed in Los Angeles, and it was flown over by a human being, a bunch of cans of film that are this big, because it's in fucking 75 millimeter fucking fucko-vision, crazy ass, <laughs> snackatronic fucking double audio, shit comes from behind you, shit comes from in front of you, it's fucking wild. Um, thank you for that. Uh, uh, I lost the crowd because of your gift, but I appreciate the gift. I... <laughs> Three people are listening now. Three people are like, I didn't like Barry Lyndon. <laughs> Did anyone see Eyes Wide Shut? It was like, what if a 75-year-old pervert... Thank you. <laughs> right? They go to an orgy, and everyone at the orgy is dressed like Mozart. 
Like everyone's got a tri-cornered hat and buckled fucking breeches and canes and shit. And you're like, whose fucking idea was this? I don't want to have sex with Mozart. Or even what was his wife's name? Constance? No one knows Mozart's wife's name? Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain, where the waving wheat smells my... There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the... See, I'm pretending to ride. On the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye, and it looks like it's going to reach the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what... Beautiful day. <laughs> Fucking earthquake! <laughs> that is the weirdest musical of all time. <laughs> if anyone's ever seen Oklahoma, the first two numbers fucking set you completely in the wrong direction. First number's Oklahoma. First number's Oh, uh, uh, and then it's Oklahoma. And you're like, this is going to be a peppy little musical about a bunch of really cute cowboy people. And then, no, a guy dies and shit. And uh, there's a scene where women go to a social and they bring baskets of food and the men sniff the baskets of food and then choose which girl they want. Does anyone else find that slightly leading? Why don't you sniff my basket? (sighs) Smells real good, Mary Lou. Ew. freaked out when we got to that part of the musical. They show it to you when you're little and you're like, what the fuck is this part? What happened at the beginning where he's riding a horse and the corn and high and the thing and went by, yeah, woo! That part was fun. Everything's up to date in Kansas City. They're gone about as far as they, they let the homosexuals run on down the street. They're giving abortions to everyone you meet. They'll even let the Negro have a seat with you or a seat. Oh, everything's up to date. The hilarious part of that song is it's never been right. <laughs> I was in Kansas City about a month ago. Everything's not up to date. First of all, their sense of time and space. We check into the hotel, it's late. Like Bob Seger. I know it's late. I know you're worried. I know your plans don't include me. Is anyone who works here still working here? Brad or somebody? Can I have another uh, vodka flavored vodka? It's just ice and glass. Thank you. Thank you so much. You already have a full one, Greg. Mm-hmm. I've been to my show. Does anyone remember where we were? Oh, of course, Bob Seger. So we go into the hotel. We were going to the Negro League thing. I don't know if anyone listened to that episode, but it was pretty fucking good. Thank you. I have to say, though, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Johnny Bench and Mickey Mantle are, uh, yeah. It's, it's hard. There, you would be hard-pressed to find two better players that ever, ever fucking played. Uh, part of the reason Pete Rose isn't in the Hall of Fame is Johnny Bench. 
Uh, he's fairly adamant about that shit. And uh, when they meet, Johnny Bench carries a lot of weight. <clears throat> maybe it's his two fucking MVP awards as catcher. Uh, maybe it's all of the World Series he won. Maybe it's because he's a bad motherfucker. Uh, he was the one who ruined catching. Before that, when I was little and I'm this old, uh, catchers caught with two hands. Johnny Bench caught with one hand because he was so awesome. And Johnny Bench would be on his knees and catch the ball and snap throw to first, which he did in the World Series, by the way. Snap throw to first, like Little League. Thank you so much. Jesus Christ, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. Security, there is none. We're at the performance lab run by a music school. What could happen? <laughs> a drunk Garth Brooks fan. This show sucks. I've been here. He ain't seen one song I like yet. <laughs> You're in the wrong venue. It's over that way. It's big. Uh, and so, Johnny Bench was that awesome. Uh, Mickey Mantle, wow. Um, there's a very good book uh, by Jane Levy about Mickey Mantle. If you ever want to read about one of Oklahoma's great heroes. Um, he was the fastest player in the big leagues when he came up till he hurt his legs. Uh, he was really that good. Uh, Willie Mays is my favorite player of all time. I wouldn't put anyone ahead of Willie Mays. But if I had to put someone at his level, and I would say that was better than him uh, from time to time, and that Willie would acknowledge that, it would be Mickey fucking Mantle. That's how good Mickey fucking Mantle was. He could run, throw, hit, and hit for average. And he could drink like Bacchus. He... <laughs> He gave a new meaning to drinking. Uh, whereas Johnny Bench and Willie Mays probably never really drank, uh, Mickey Mantle would go out every night and get it on. And uh, he played till he was about 36. 37. You know, the age Venus is going to the Wimbledon final. Um, are Venus and Serena like the greatest athletics family that ever lived? They kind of are, right? And I don't mean just women. Serena won a, a Grand Slam uh, this year while pregnant. And Venus is 37 and got to the finals. Um, before you go quiet again, like you just did, you fucking white supremacist assholes. <laughs> what did you do at 37? Fuck shit all is what you fucking did. You found a parking place near the place you like to drink is what you fucking did. You didn't go to the finals of Wimbledon for the ninth time or whatever in your career and shit. I don't like your attitude. I don't like your clothes. Is that cool too? I don't like your governor. Is that all right? Mary. She came and she gave without taking. Who gave me this one? Uh, Margaret Atwood, the Penelope ad. What's your name? Amanda. Thank you, Amanda. You didn't want to hand it to me personally. Oh, I didn't know there was an essay answer. <laughs> Thank you. I walked past her. For, did I not give you a sticker? No. How did I miss you? I went through the whole, I talked to everybody, remember? Okay. <laughs> well, this passive aggressive guild isn't working for me. It's your, it's your uh, terrible fortune at this juncture to find that my ego surpasses your passive aggressiveness. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't meet you before. Thank you for the book. Um, I'm fascinated. 
the, the, the title alone, the Penelope ad, obviously, uh, suggests what it is. Odysseus, Ulysses, if you will. Uh, his wife was Penelope, right? The one that waited for him faithfully while all the guys tried to get on her. And then when he comes home, there's a whole house full of guys trying to get on Penelope, and he's been gone for ages. Yonks, as they say. And um, Telemachus, his son, has been there trying to hold the fork down and shit. Meanwhile, he's had sex with Circe the witch and had to fight the pig people and the cyclops, and he's been tied to the mast and had wax put in his ears and endured every type of mythological indignity, and ha- including having Steely Dan write a song about him called Home at Last. <laughs> yes, that's right. The Steely Dan song Home at Last is about Odysseus. That's how pretentious they are. It's an evening of pretentious white guys starring me and then Stanley Kubrick and then Steely Dan. Because the danger on the rocks has surely passed. Still I remain tied to the mast Could it be that I found my home at last Home at last Right? That's Steely Dan song? Uh, That's Odysseus. Oh, God. No. When you get to the show, just have a good time. Be fun. Be offhand. You know, be funny. Fucking try to win them over. No, Greg, talk about what you like. <laughs> Don't even play Steely Dan over the PA, even though there's a ton of it on your fucking uh, iPod. Play, sing it. <laughs> That's what people want. I'm Garth Brooks. I'm telling you to please everybody. I'm Chris Gaines. I'm telling you to read from the Penelope ad. <laughs> For Penelope, Odysseus' wife, running a kingdom while her husband is away, fighting in the Trojan War is no simple matter. Already distressed that he had been lured away because of the shocking behavior of her beautiful cousin Helen, Penelope must also raise her wayward son, Telemachus, face uh, scandalous rumors and keep more than 100 lustful, greedy, and bloodthirsty suitors at bay. Margaret Atwood wrote The Handmaid's Tale, in case you're wondering who Margaret Atwood is, uh, and is a badass of the highest order. Somebody say... Helen Ruins My Life, Chapter 11. (laughs) And in order to make this better, I'm going to read the part of Odysseus as Jeremy Irons. (laughs) Dinner times were particularly stressful. There were too many undercurrents, too many sulks and growlings on the part of the men, and far too many fraught silences encircling my mother-in-law. <laughs> when I tried to speak to her, she would never look at me while answering, but would address her remarks to a footstool or a table. As befitted conversation with the furniture, these remarks were wooden and still. But I did not know how to do that. Strolling along the cliffs or by the shore alone like some peasant girl or slave was out of the question. I had a reputation to keep up, and the reputation of a king's wife is under constant scrutiny. I realize now that I'm reading the part of Penelope as Jeremy Irons. I'm going to go back. And read the part of Penelope as the British rock star Marianne Faithful. I stayed in our room a lot 
room I shared with Odysseus. It was a fine enough room with a view of the sea, though not so fine as my room back in Sparta. Thank you. Oh, I can do actresses. I can't do Mara Sorvino. A little Elizabeth Taylor. Like, for instance, how I go, This book is becoming a nuisance! Uh, did you give me this one too, Amanda? No, that was Phil, the Kubrick, me, TV. Phil, you found your tongue. All of a sudden, sentences are flying through the air. He said, no, that was me, Phil Kubrick. A little bit of a word cottage cheese going on there, but I, I got your drift. Thank you, Phil. Kubrick and the Clash, you've stuck to the heart of the matter. Hey, Chris, are you still watching the show? Will you? Wow. How about that answer? Did anyone hear that from the back? Fucking Warner Brothers, man. Chris, you still watching the show? Yeah. God, I wish I was at Garth Brooks. One side of his shirt's one color and one side's another color. On the pre-show uh, playlist, Chris, there's a uh, Clash song called Working for the Clampdown. Do you mind spitting that right this second for a second? I saw the Clash a bunch of times. Uh, God, you're old, Greg. Um, fuck to the you? At least I don't have to say I saw boys to men, and that was part of my childhood or whatever, so fuck you. Weak. Uh, the first time I saw them, they were high on drugs, and... Yeah. Turn that shit up really loud. And they were amazing. They jumped all the fuck... Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw them, they were really lively. Uh, 1978, I think it was, at the Temple Beautiful, which was a, a synagogue in San Francisco. Yeah. There were names of Jews all over the walls. <laughs> Turn up really, really loud. This part's really good. show <laughs> they were super awesome then the second time I saw them <laughs> Mick Jones was a little bored <laughs> there wasn't quite the fervency they were much bigger uh, I think they had a couple bucks then better drugs <laughs> isn't that always the curse what do they say you spend your whole life writing your first album and uh, 12 months writing the second one. And the crowd's gone quiet. Jesus Christ. 
anyway, thank you for this clash book. It's called Return of the Last Gang in Town by Marcus Gray. Here, just say somebody say. No. I want you to like me. Who gave me the Bob Gibson book? Oh, there's a note. Wait, before you answer. Kellen. Dear Greg, after hearing your talk with Maury Wills, I became fascinated with Bob Gibson. Hope you enjoy this as much as I have. Love the pot. Thank you, Kellen. Where, where are you, Kellen? Did you get a sticker? Yeah. Will you give it to Amanda? Joking, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it, uh, which game is it? Pitch by pitch gets inside. October 2nd, 1968, when he struck out 17. But they lost this World Series, but he struck out 17 batters uh, in one game in the World Series on TV. Uh, Bob Gibson was a badass of the highest caliber. He was a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals and quite intimidating and large. I've never met him. Uh, Maury Wells was astounding uh, talking about Bob Gibson. All of them were. Um, Bob Gibson uh, pitched a game in 1967 with a broken leg. I think it was his tibia. He broke it while pitching, finished the inning, and came off the mound and was like, fuck, my leg hurts. And they were like, they took him in the room and went, oh my God, it's broken. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so he took a few weeks off and came back. His record's a little lighter in 67. He finished the inning with a broken leg. Again, your whole scoffing over Venus Williams earlier belies your scoffing over Bob Gibson right now. You know what you did? You ran out of cheetahs and you cried. You cried. <laughs> No, you did. You fucking cried and you know you did. And you called your cousin. <laughs> Bob Gibson finished the inning. In the 1964 World Series in the last game, the, the Cardinals were leading the Yankees 5-0. And he gave up two home runs to start the ninth inning. And Johnny Keene, the manager, came out. And Gibson was like, I can finish this inning. Imagine leaving a pitcher in in this day and age after giving up two home runs in a row in the ninth inning in the World Series. They left him in. He won the game. Uh, yeah, he's about us. Thank you very much for this book, Kellen. I appreciate it. Uh, that concludes that portion of the show. Now we're going to start the show. <laughs> now it's almost over. Uh, I'm joking, of course. Uh, we have a table here tonight, and I wanted to talk about this. Uh, our friend Liz Winstead is, of course, doing the Lady Parts Justice uh, um, Vagical Mystery Tour right now. I can't tell you what city they're in tonight, but they're still on the road doing that. You should go to um, um, ladypartsjustice.com. They're going around the country to different clinics helping out there, uh, uh, volunteering at the clinics, um, cleaning up, painting, doing things like that, things that are necessary to the clinics. They call beforehand and ask what the clinic requires. And some of the states they go to, including states you wouldn't believe uh, have this kind of restrictive uh, laws against women, uh, include Michigan and whatnot, uh, Illinois, right? Uh, not just your Bible Belt and not just your Deep South and whatnot, but everywhere. Uh, the war against women is fucking real, and um, the bald-faced uh, misogyny that this administration ushered in uh, in so many zillions of ways, subtle and not so subtle, is being enacted uh, to its full fruition. Uh, I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm just hipping you to the jive, baby. Uh, what you need to do is this. Uh, if you're a guy and you have any kind of free time at all, uh, you might make a fucking call every once in a while in your free time uh, to your senator, your congressperson, your governor, whatnot, and say, um, women's rights are really important to me and I'm voting on them. Uh, believe me, they hear it. Uh, you've been uh, wondering why they keep pushing the, the uh, repeal and re you know, replace thing back and back and back. They don't know that they have the votes yet because everywhere they go, including here in Oklahoma, uh, and by they I mean the Congress and the Senate, um, people are furious over this. They've been, they've been handcuffing uh, people in their wheelchairs in the halls of Washington.
Washington. They've been dragging people down the halls with police and whatnot. Um, the public isn't having this at all. They know it, and they're still going to try to push it through because the people who, uh, uh, in part, uh, uh, are responsible for the earthquakes in Oklahoma are uh, their moral equivalent is what's uh, operating behind this entire enchilada. We're talking about. 20 privileged people that want tax breaks. And at the, uh, they are willing uh, to destroy a medical service in America in order to do that. And, and uh, everything is about women, as I've said on the show before. I didn't know it was going to get boring and preachy this early, but fuck it, here we go. Um, anything that has to do with firearms is a women's issue more than anyone else. Women are the victims of firearms. Uh, people, men who own firearms uh, often use them on people uh, around them who are women. Uh, uh, the issue of police brutality is completely a women's issue. Um, poor women's uh, uh, sons and daughters are the ones who are killed, and poor women are killed uh, by the police all the time. Um, to pretend otherwise is to be wildly myopic about the entire situation. Healthcare and Medicaid is directly aimed at women, and the poorer, the better in their estimation. Obviously, if you have a bunch of shackles, you can afford any kind of healthcare you want. When you don't have that many, as many of us don't, uh, and uh, how many people are like more than like three paychecks away from complete fucking Armageddon? You know what I'm talking about here. Um, by the way, in this new version, the Ted Cruz new version of the repealing Obamacare bill, uh, they've exempted themselves. They still get everything. So the amazing Roman hypocrisy of that, why not just dangle someone's ears and fucking tongue from the door of the Senate and let us know that's how you fucking feel? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm tired of being told that wanting basic human necessities is some sort of wild, extravagant demand that can't be met. If there's enough money... There's enough money. Uh, let me put it that way. So Southwind Clinic is here tonight. And uh, Southwind Clinic is uh, run by Trust Women. I'm going to read you uh, something from their pamphlet here. They have a table in the back. Katie is uh, at that table. She's very lovely. She's given me some tchotchkes. I have a, uh, I think it's a coin purse, is it? Yes, thank you. Uh, I don't carry a coin purse, but it's also got a very handy keychain in it. So not only can you put your keys in it, you could put a joint in it and some money. Uh, you could fold up a 20. Uh, you could put your, your meth in there. This is Oklahoma. And, uh, and it zips up. So you put all that shit in there and you put it in your pocket and you're like, fucking, it's not going to fall out. Right? And it has a, a logo on it that says, trust women, uh, which we should do. If we had done, we wouldn't be in the state we're in right this goddamn second. If we had trusted women, uh, we wouldn't have a, a bellicose Benito Cheeto Papaya Pinochet running the fucking Naranja Noriega. Sweet potato Stalin. Adolf Tweetler. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whatever your next big idea might be, count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it to life. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like an expert right from the start. You even get a unique domain, which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you. Plus, with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating a beautiful 
repeatable website is a simple and intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a moose. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Though, if you do have a question, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support can help you with any problem, no matter how technical or trivial-seeming. Think of them as your very own IT department. So, make your next move and start your free trial at squarespace.com today. Enter the offer code PROOPS to get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's P-R-O-O-P-S, the smartest man in the world podcast. Thanks you. Trust Women Foundation opens clinics that provide abortion care in, an undeserved, in underserved communities so that all women can make their own decisions about their health care. Liz Winstead did a show here with the Lady Parts Justice League, and she has the best quote, I think. Well, obviously, Florence Kennedy uh, said if a man got abortions, uh, abortions would be a sacrament. If men got pregnant, abortion would be a sacrament. And uh, Liz Winstead said there are no good abortions. There are no bad abortions. There's only the one you need. So think of it that way. Uh, I know that there's lots of people who are like, I don't, I took a different view. It's a difficult thing and a moralistic decision. And what about the life of the thing? And yeah. I'm not convinced. If you're not a woman and it's not your body, then okay. Why don't you take a seat? Why don't you try to help out? Why don't you try to help? Instead of being a fucking douche canoe. <laughs> help, help. How can I help? I work in a tire store. You can fucking call and fax people, man. <laughs> fax Zero is a free fax service. In Fax Zero, you'll find the entire directory of all the fax numbers of everyone in the Senate and the Congress. They allow you free five, fa- five free fax. I turned into a dyslexic fucking English. You don't know free five faxes a day. Five free faxes a day. I do it all the time. It's good fun. Always use highfalutin prose. Never write in capitals. Don't underline anything. Don't use exclamation points. Don't be a sociopath. Don't write with a crayon on the back of a fucking flyer that you found in the penny saver. (laughs) Dear Senator McConnell, I beseech you. (laughs) In the most emphatic terms, to turn your attention to the issue of women's health. The desiccation of Planned Parenthood and the removal of Medicaid are a devastating blow to women's health all over the country. Do we not owe it to our sisters, our mothers, in fact, ourselves, to make sure that women's health is a priority? I urge you to be positive in this area. And uh, I assure you that I'll be watching your actions in this regard. I thank you for your kind attention. Signed, Oklahoma. Like that, like that. Those are the, and send those faxes. It's fun. Maybe I should make a template and you can all... No. You can do it. Uh, the number of abortion providers since 1982 has decreased by over 1,000. Women, women travel farther, pay more out-of-pocket, and struggle to access abortion care. Even if Roe v. Wade stands and abortion is legal, there must be clinics so women can make decisions for themselves. You don't have to go to get boner pills or a gun or alcohol or cigarettes. That means women aren't equal. That's all that fucking means. And you are enforcing it with your very existence. And if you don't understand that and you can't take it on board, you've got to fucking deal. Um, I know, I'm not putting it all on you and that you have to change everything tonight. You can't, but you can incrementally help by looking out for everyone that's not you. You follow my drift here. 
The fact that you are autonomous in what you do with your body. You can jack off, you can get a woman pregnant, you can fuck off, never pay your fucking child support. You can do all the things you can do as a man and come and fucking get me. Women don't enjoy that. Women don't enjoy that latitude. Land of the free, pursuit of happiness. Remember all those things? Remember a bunch of white guys who owned slaves wrote them? Well, you're a white guy who owns slaves by proxy because of history. And the crowd goes quiet. I don't know no slaves. (laughs) Try to do some mental gymnastics. (laughs) Is it hard to understand that the labor of those who were not paid is what built the white foundation of this country and that all of us benefit from it? Even at this late date, is it really that hard to understand? If the White House was built by slaves and Wall Street was built by slaves, how can you not understand that America was built by slaves and that maybe (laughs) we should take that on board? Instead of the weird, well, you know, when people come into this country, they take a lot out. (laughs) You mean like golfing every weekend and tweeting all the time and watching Fox TV and eating fucking chicken and drinking Pepsi? That kind of... That kind of contribution to the globe? Sometimes making a weird face. When you're in Paris. If you wish to give to them. uh, Let's see here. Legal counsel. We intentionally target states where access to abortion care is severely limited. That means the states we work in have some of the most restrictive laws designed to shut down clinics. Anti-choice bureaucracy. 29 states currently require abortion facilities to meet the standards of an ambulatory surgical center. Consistent opposition. We have to always be prepared for the protests we face on a daily basis along with the legal harassment from the anti-choice organizations. Southwind Women's Center, Oklahoma. This is our next target state. The Oklahoma City metro area has a population of 1.4 million. Do you really? Look at you little... You little rascals. Uh, Our clinic will draw from Oklahoma City as well as surrounding communities in North Texas. Um, 18,713 women for every one OBGYN in the state. Eighth highest infant mortality rate in the U.S., fifth highest teen pregnancy rate, third highest maternal mortality rate. That's not good, Oklahoma. Um, these clinics are doing the angels work. Uh, you can go to info at trustwomen.org or itrustwomen.org. It's itrustwomen.org. Um, it wouldn't kill you. I'm not leaving this room until every man here swears they're going to fucking do it. <laughs> There's no more time to fuck around, you guys. To the real. Um, If you think everything's going to skate and everything's going to be groovy and everything's going to fucking slide along the way it was and your life's not going to change, wow. That's what Poland said in 1939. Can I make it any plainer? Can I make it any plainer? When a group of people running the government, all of whom look like None of them has ever taken a, had a urination that didn't hurt. <laughs> What's wrong with their glands? Every single person in the circle is a cartoon villain. Um, Ryan Stiles tweeted this yesterday. Ryan Stiles is an acquaintance of mine. I've worked with him a couple of times. And um, he's the tall one on Whose Line Is It Anyway? 
You may remember him from uh, the Drew Carey show, and uh, he was also on Three and a Half Men. Two and a Half Men. I upgraded him to Three and a Half Men. Ryan and I uh, tour together in a group called Who's Live Is It Anyway, and we'll be not here, sadly. Uh, we, no, we did Texas. That's as far as I'm going to get him. Uh, we're, we're in the Midwest again later in the year, and then we're in um, the Midwest. And we're uh, Canada. We're in Ontario. You won't be there. Um, <laughs> tweeted yesterday, and unbeknownst to me, we don't chat a lot, Ryan and I. We work together. Uh, uh, but we don't like call each other every day and like eat, you know, like uh, uh, ice cream, you know, Haagen-Dazs from the, from the fucking court thing and like, you know, watch like Housewives of Miami together or whatever. Um, Greg, Housewives of Miami hasn't been on in two fucking years. Why do you know that? I'm not gay. And I'm making no fucking case for it. Bethany on Housewives from New York, wow. She needs a cold shower and an apple juice. <laughs> Ryan Stiles tweeted this yesterday. And by the way, on his Twitter, he's at, at who's Ryan Stiles. And his little Twitter handle or whatever says, I am you, you are me, can I borrow 20 bucks? <laughs> he's hilarious. Filling in my White House team very quickly, because he always does parodies of uh, Orange 45. Filling in my White House team very quickly, just appointed Greg Proop's Minister of Groove. <laughs> this came as a complete surprise to me. I have, of course, accepted. <laughs> now I have to be vetted by Oklahoma's greatest trunk band from Tulsa, the Gap Band. Chris, would you mind spending... Really, really loud. You may remember the Gap Band. That... spend hours watching The Gap Man. <laughs> I don't care who knows it. I think Jennifer's favorite is you dropped a bomb on me. But I'm partial to oops upside your head. Which I don't believe is called oops upside your head. Uh, this happened this week. Um, Amy Siskind uh, who's at at Amy Siskind on the Twitter also has um, a column in What's that called? Medium and uh, Facebooks as well. She catalogs everything that the corrupt GOP 
white supremacist fascist administration is perpetrating every week, in order that we maintain our sanity and understand that none of this is normal, none of this has ever happened before, this is precedent in the United States. And by precedent, I don't mean the way it's usually spelled on Twitter by Orange 45, but the actual word precedent. <laughs> it is in fact unprecedented, or unprecedented, if you will. And, um, uh, that uh, we have to uh, mark that and make sure that we know uh, that the uncharted waters we're going into are indeed uncharted and uh, have some sort of... Anyway, the Library of Congress has taken on Amy Siskin's tweets every week and is cataloging them. That's how important this is. Um, the Library of Congress on their own, I'm certain that there was no directive from <laughs> this government to go, hey, by the way, we should mark down all of our malfeasance in graphic detail with notations. Because she does. And sometimes in a week's time, there's 80 or 90 items. And uh, she does as much as she can. And all of them are annotated. So if you wish, you can go. I'm not going to read them all. But I thought two this week were pretty salient. Considering we were reading the Peloponiniad. 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 <laughs> and uh, that Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale has become most pertinent. And uh, all that about women. Representative Martha McSally stood on the House floor Wednesday. This happened this Wednesday on the House of Representatives floor. You may have heard that Paul Ryan has invoked a draconian dress code rule that already existed within the rules of the House of Representatives, whereby women could not wear um, clothing that bared their arms or open-toed shoes. I'm not certain who this is for, since there are, of course, dozens of members of Congress that are women, 20% to be exact. And... Uh, 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 this seems very Mike Penceian to me. The Mike Penceian closety, I go to Hamilton and call my wife mother, but I get a boner if I'm alone with a woman rule. Uh, that uh, all scared Christian men seem to abide by. That it's okay if my hard-on uh, is pointed at you while I'm writing a hate blog, but um, if, if you're... Uh, yeah, uh, those bare arms and those open toes are fucking me up. And... <laughs> When I saw the billboard today that says lust leads to hell here in Oklahoma City, I couldn't help but agree. And God damn it, where do women get off walking around being attractive? I just don't understand. I, as a man, have no imperative whatsoever to control any of my impulses in any way or to show any amount of modulation of my behavior. I am a beast. <laughs> and all women should abide by that, starting now. When you're a star, they let you do it. As Orange 45 said to Brigitte Macron, but a few days ago, God, if I could still get it up. If I'd, seen my, if I'd seen the old champ in the last 18 years, I'd inform him that you'd be, you'd be first up. When is the last time it's absolutely possible that Orange 45 has seen it? I mean, I don't really want to go into this too graphically. You know what I'm talking about. The diaper, the taped tie, the white pants, the red cap. Oh, no. The old champ hasn't been seen in a while. You're going to need to send an Egyptologist down into that fucking crypt with, a, with an electron microscope to find that fucking thing. That's going to look like the worm at the bottom of a fucking magway bottle. 
that you find from Cortez Expedition that's been sunk in the fucking... <laughs> Thank you. Wowzers, McTavish. You know, you elect a predator, you get a fucking predator. Representative Martha McSally stood on the House floor Wednesday in a sleeveless dress and open-toed shoes to say she would not comply with the dress code in the chamber and speaker's lobby. On Friday, female members of the House, you may have seen the photograph, it was all over the interweb, wore sleeveless clothing to work, tweeting in support of Sleeveless Friday. They also stood in front of the House of Representatives, all the women in their sleeveless outfits and open-toed shoes. Um, You've got to be fucking kidding me. Why are we at this level, is the question I pose to you. Uh, And of course, that's uh, uh, exactly the wrong question. I almost sounded like a mainstream media pundit there for a second. Um, The reason isn't, the question isn't why are we at this level, the question is what are we going to do right the fuck now uh, to make that not the level we're at. Um, We're at this level because uh, white supremacists rule, and uh, that's what you get when uh, you let that happen. Um, So moving on here, let's see. Oh, we're going to start. I think it's time to start. Uh, I wanted to read you a couple of quick items here. Uh, Harold Hamm is the chairman and CEO of Continental Resources here. He's the richest person in Oklahoma, and he's worth $8.8 billion. And he said this, every time we can't drill a well in America, terrorism is being funded. (laughs) Follow me. It's a tricky, logical path. I don't know if you've ever run down an icy hill after a fucking Barbary goat before, but Barbary goats are nimble, and they can put one hoof in one place and one in another 15 feet away and still maintain their purchase, whereas we will find ourselves plummeting toward the abyss, the chasm opening up before us as we cartwheel down, our head rambling off the fucking sides of the hill, and ancient Chalodny and fucking trilobites flying down with us as we meet our untimely demise. Harold Hamm finds uh, no such uh, loose footing. Every onerous regulation puts American lives at risk. Um, Fracking pioneer Harold Hamm runs Continental Resources, the 13th child of Oklahoma sharecroppers. He picked cotton barefoot as a child. Look at him. In the 90s, he had the vision to use horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing in North Dakota's Bakken region, transforming the oil industry. Today, Continental produces 200,000 barrels a day, much of it from North Dakota. This is the part that I thought you'd enjoy. He made headlines in 2015 after settling a protracted divorce case and agreeing to pay his ex-wife $975 million. (laughs) Reported to be the biggest divorce settlement in history. $975 million. That's astounding, but then wait for the next sentence. Wait for it, fucking want it. Here it comes. His fortune is now estimated at nearly 12 billion. So, 975 to him was like when you go, I thought I had a fucking dollar bill in this pocket. And then a couple weeks later, you reach in your pocket and you're like, fuck, it's here. Fuck, there's that dollar! This case is so heinous, I can barely fucking believe it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then we're going to rush through. Tulsa. This happened this week. For the third time in less than a year, a jury deadlocked on Friday and forced a mistrial in the murder case of white former Oklahoma police officer accused of killing his daughter's black boyfriend. Astonishing prosecutors and frustrating in the boyfriend's family. Judge Sharon Holmes declared the mistrial after four hours of jury deliberations. Tulsa police officer Shannon Kepler was accused of fatally shooting 19-year-old Jeremy Lake in August 2014, not long after Lake started dating Kepler's 18-year-old daughter, Lisa. Kepler told investigators he was acting in self-defense because Lake was armed, but police didn't find a weapon on Lake or at the scene. 
He's had three mistrials. It's been three years. Lake's aunt said her nephew was reaching out to shake Kepler's hand to introduce himself when Kepler fired. Lake's killing was among a series of fatal shootings of black people by Tulsa area law enforcement officials. June 9th, two white Tulsa County deputies and a black Tulsa police officer shot and killed Joshua Barry, a mentally ill black man. You saw that one. On May 17th, found white Tulsa police officer Betty Jo Shelby. She's the one who shot Terrence Crutcher. Uh, inside his SUV. Prosecutors told jurors Shelby, uh, Shelby testified she was afraid because Crutcher didn't obey her commands. Prosecutors said the videos from the patrol and a police helicopter showed Crutcher had his hands in the air and did not have a weapon. So, what does this tell us? Well, obviously Colin Kaepernick's an asshole. <laughs> and that guns are an integral part of white supremacy. Former Tulsa County uh, in 2016, volunteer sheriff's deputy Robert Bates was sentenced to four years for secondary manslaughter of Eric Harris, 44, unarmed and restrained. Bates, who is white, said he confused his stun gun with his handgun. So we've heard the excuses, and Oklahoma is no different than anyone else, uh, and like that. Uh, I wanted to read you some good news about Oklahoma. Um, I attribute this news to the subliminal influence wrought over Oklahoma by the writings of blow covert operative Friedman from the Plains. Um, Charles Pierce writes for the uh, Esquire, and he's very witty indeed. And I wanted to read you a little item that he wrote about Oklahoma this week. Michael Brooks will be the new state senator for District 44 in the southwest Oklahoma City metro area. <laughs> Beating Republican Joe Griffin, he won with 54% of the vote on Facebook. He thanks supporters. Uh, Tulsa's House District 75 voters picked Karen Gaddis to replace former state rep Dan Kirby. <laughs> who resigned following an investigation into sexual harassment claims made by a former assistant. That's who she beat. He was on his assistant's ass every fucking day. That's the kind of man he was. And Charles Pierce writes here in brackets, let us pause for a moment to say, ew, ick. <laughs> As to the circumstances under which both of these seats came open. Because the other seat, the one I mentioned about uh, Joe Griffin, uh, Brooks won with 54% of the vote. Griffin lost a House race in last year's election. The Senate seat's been vacant since former state Senator Ralph Shorty resigned amid child prostitution allegations. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. <laughs> so if we say... <laughs> Charles Pierce writes... Were I the Democratic National Chairman Tom Perez, I'd be on a plane to Oklahoma this morning and arrange a parade for these two people. This is the only way the Democratic Party is going to come back with any lasting strength at all. Right here at this level of government is where it starts. This is where the farm system gets built. Both of these districts were dark red Trump majority districts and the Democratic Party's foreign foreign flipping state legislature seats. The wind, it appears, is coming right behind the rain. Uh, right? I went to a speech that Kamala Harris, our very sexy and substantial senator from the state of California. Uh, Kamala Harris, uh, I was at a healthcare rally earlier this year with Jennifer, and Kamala Harris got up and said, we're not going to win every battle. We're going to lose a lot of battles. But that doesn't mean we stop. Um, they won those seats that were held by a sexual harasser and a pervert preceding the guy who won it. Uh, so you understand the circumstances. Oh. He said, while well, drinking, 
Speaking of trusting women, the Trump administration pulls the plug on teen pregnancy programs. Tom Price and other top uh, other uh, 45 appointees are outspoken opponents of federal funding for birth control, absten- uh, advocating abstinence, blah, blah, blah. Among the programs that lost their funding, the Choctaw Nation's effort to combat teen pregnancy in Oklahoma, John Hopkins' work with adolescent Apaches in Arizona, the University of You get the idea. Under the Trump administration, the Department of Health and Human Services teen pregnancy prevention program had two strikes against it. Former President Barack Obama started it, and social conservatives don't want to give teens access to birth control. It's so astounding to me. Um, Punishing teenagers? Um, Misunderstanding that teens have sex, that's what you do? Yeah, thank you. One person laughed nervously. I know it's Oklahoma and shit. You're not supposed to say that. Uh, Somewhere in the neighborhood of 20% to a quarter of teenage women get pregnant in this country. What does that tell you? Um, We like to fucking goof around, man. (laughs) That we make no provisions uh, to educate the young. Uh, There's no reason for any of that. Uh, Teenagers oughtn't get pregnant at all, right? I mean, we were all teenagers once. I certainly was. I had a car. (laughs) Riding around in my calaboose, still trying to get her belt to loose. All night long, I held a grudge on the safety belt that wouldn't budge. Cruising around and riding slow with no particular place to... Uh, I have scribbled notes today on the plane. I was quite tired, I see now. Let's make the most of them. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about uh, not the derangement and the chaos, not the uh, misrule and the evident um, lunacy, because that's the part that's so upsetting. It's difficult to keep bearings when you don't feel that uh, the people running the circus are are compass menace. One thing that you can say about Barack Obama was he was calm, uh, judicious, and intelligent. He didn't rush to answer. He didn't rush to react. If anything, some people accused him of being too slow to react to things because I believe he was considering things in a lawyerly way. In other words, he was gathering evidence and sifting through it before he gave his thoughts and or uh, uh, reaction to things. Now, we're living in a world where, of course, Orange 45 is the, uh, the, the tweeter representative and the reality TV representative of the government. He's not actually doing anything except golfing and eating McNuggets, but everyone else is furiously rabbiting away behind the scenes to uh, undo the government as quickly as they possibly can. Uh, we've reached that Orwellian state where the Environmental Protection Agency is not protecting the environment and where the Department of Education has no intention of doing just that and where the State Department has uh, very little, if anything, to do with affairs of state and so on and so on. Uh, but I wanted to jump right in here. Um, uh, Orange 45 hired a new lawyer this week against the Russian allegations that are both false and are going nowhere and are a democratic conspiracy and Loretta Lynch started them. Um, <laughs> All of these things uh, that we know to be self-evident, the 17 uh, 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 intelligence agencies notwithstanding, uh, he hired a new uh, lawyer because his lawyer, Kazovich, you may have heard of a couple of days ago, uh, received some emails from an anonymous person, not an anonymous person, a guy identified himself and wrote, you may want to drop this case because I don't think it's in your best interest and it'll ruin your reputation. And Kazovich wrote back, um, hey, bitch, I'm coming to your fucking house and I'm going to fuck you up, basically. I'm misquoting, but you get the general idea. 
Um, what I wanted to talk about was the latitude and the lassitude and the unflooring of the debate in this country. Um, there is no bottom anymore. We've already reached the bottom a thousand times. Now we've sunk through the bottom and we're into the mantle of the earth and heading for the inner core. Um, uh, because... Uh, uh, this assumption that no one has any morality, that there is no such thing as intelligent discourse, that there is no need for rationale, facts, or any sort of substantive argument, that we're uh, 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 simply throwing things into the air and they can be uh, uh, disagreed with or agreed with simply because of your belief system, has um, eroded a good deal of our confidence in what's going on. And I'm here to tell you uh, that it hasn't disappeared, that we all believe it still, and that um, you mustn't let a weird crime family uh, uh, that's in charge of uh, the GOP, which is running the country right now, um, uh, dissuade you from the fact that we are all sentient human beings capable of understanding right and wrong and yes and no and uh, black and white and uh, what moral imperatives guide us through our lives. Always do the right thing is not the worst fucking moral guidance you'll ever hear in your life or something to abide by. Um, Greg, have you always done this? No, obviously. I've been dishonest in my life. I've done things I wasn't proud of. We all have. Why? We're humans and shit. This is not the case uh, in this regard. What we're talking about is people who swore on the Constitution and on a Bible to uphold the Constitution and to uphold uh, the precepts that we uh, uh, hold dear in America, which are at least the running goddamn chance that there might be a square election, at least the running goddamn chance that everyone might be represented. And the idea that we're in this moral uh, turpitude, this moral latitude, this uh, uh, swirling cesspool of fucking variegation where anything is okay because anyone would do it and many people would do it and most people would do it and all the things that he says. I don't believe that. I believe there's a lot of fucking assholes in the world and I believe there's pure evil in the goddamn world. You better fucking believe there's pure evil in the world. But I also believe that most people are pretty groovy. And, like we're sitting here tonight having a fucking drink and listening to me rant and rave, we have our moments. There's 40,000 people going to see Garth Brooks tonight. Every one of them is going to be smiling when they go home. There's going to be no fights. There's going to be makeup sex in half those cars. In other words, we have a fighting chance. There's still ice cream and sunshine and fucking breezes and tongue kisses and frogs and movies that you watch. There's still the scent of flowers and the laughter of children. All that isn't destroyed because some fucking crime family took over and denigrated the fucking United States and removed it to second tier status because they fucking wanted to. I object strenuously. I've been in show business a good deal of my life. And it's not the most savory fucking group that you could ever run with. However, some good times. <laughs> I wouldn't have chosen another one because I have no... And there's nothing inside me that makes me want to go to a job in the morning. I'll get up, like for instance, today I got up at like five in the morning. Tomorrow I'm getting up at four in the morning to work, to do comedy and shit. That doesn't bother me at all. The idea of getting up at four in the morning to go work for someone else in a fluorescent office in a cubicle and that person's a fucking asshole and they treat me shitty and they're mean to all the women and the snack food's fucked and there's still old pudding in the refrigerator. <laughs> fuck you. And fuck that shit. And I've been menial and I've, you know, I, I just, what are you getting at? This. 
I mentioned Ryan Stiles before. I mentioned Drew Carey before. I've worked with these gentlemen for a long time. They're guys in show business who've had a good deal of success. Uh, I've worked on the show Who's Line for uh, 47 years now. We were in black and white on the Dumont Network, on steam-powered television, hand-cranked television that a gerbil ran in a wheel. And at no point was I fucked over by any of them. None of them took a meeting with me and went, yeah, we can fuck Greg over and really fucking take his money and really fuck him. That wasn't the impetus for them doing it. They did it because they did it, and we all do it because we like it and shit. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is morality within the framework of the laissez-faire business society that we've created. There is morality within the government. There are admirable people who are elected representatives in this country. Everything is not at the abysmal fucking drain the swamp bottom that they would have you believe so that they could enact their terrible fucking horror of dismantling and chaos. I believe, one, that children are the future, and two, actually I believe children are small demons, but the point is this. I really take the utmost umbrage at this laissez-faire attitude and this uh, equivocating fucking jaundiced bullshit of uh, 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 Donald Trump Jr. goes to a meeting, blah, blah, blah. You know the whole story this week. And then uh, 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 Orange 45 goes, he's a good kid. He's 39 with five children and he's a millionaire. He's not a kid. You know who is a kid? Tamir Rice. You know who is a kid? Trayvon Martin. They didn't have a fucking chance. This is inequity. This is white privilege. This is white supremacy. This is fascism. Anyone else who'd be in this position would not only be impeached. Uh, Hillary right now, if she was president, would be under impeachment proceedings for something. She would also have gone to the G20 and given a grand slam speech about how America was going to renew the Paris Accords and sign the trade agreement with Japan. She wouldn't have wandered around like a fucking diffident older person, confused at the mall, and not be included in the center of the picture, and not give a speech at the conclusion of the G20. And you saw his interview with Pat Robertson. He said the G20 was great, there were 20 countries there. (laughs) You don't need to be embarrassed on his behalf. No one in Nazi Germany needed to be embarrassed on Hitler's behalf. And I'm dead fucking banana slug serious about this. (laughs) He is a figurehead. He is a potato on top of the casserole. His power is unlimited because the pliant, supplicant, supine GOP has made itself available for his rapine and pillage. They are the ones, the Congress and the Senate, who are laying there with their bottoms in the air with a target painted on their rectum. (laughs) They have every opportunity to stop this. They have every opportunity to put the brakes on this. They have every opportunity to morally right this country. They are not doing it because the beckoning of the billionaires is to siren, to go back to Odysseus and Penelope, a call for them. They do not have wax in their ears and are not tied to the mast. They are, in fact, running forward with a basket, hoping to receive the riches. And that's why I don't believe that we've reached a moral abyss. The turpitude and the 
absolute, unbelievable lowballing of everything that's come before us. President Barack Obama was not allowed to have an affair where he got a blowjob. He was not allowed to have an affair where he uh, 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 made a, a bunch of money for um, uh, Halliburton Corporation like Dick Cheney and W did. He's not allowed to uh, have a Watergate. He's not allowed to uh, have a Whitewater. He's not allowed to have a Troopergate. None of that because he was the first black man who was president. You may have noticed he was scrupulously moral in all of his dealings. He loved his children. He had a dog. He spoke intelligently all the time. Look at what we've done in six months. Look at what white privilege is. Bald-faced, misogynistic, racist, anti-LGBTQ, anti-disabled, anti-civilization, white privilege. The pure greed and banality of it is absolutely staggering. And this is our chance to fucking ride triumph over that nonsense. It can't stand. It has no legs. It is a white worm in the belly of fucking civilization. Whether it ends in six months, whether it ends in 18 months, whether it ends in, uh, what do we have? We're or eighth of the way through. Whether it ends in seven-eighths time from now, um, it will be put ended to and uh, made right. Uh, Kazovich's cavalier attitude as a lawyer to call people bitches and shit uh, is part of this uh, degradation of the, of the discourse in this country. It needn't be this way. You will remember six months ago, it wasn't this way. When we went to international meetings uh, with John Kerry or Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, were you ever embarrassed? Did you ever go, oh, fuck? <laughs> no, because they gave precise speeches at the end that were full of policy, so full of policy that you were bored and didn't pay attention. <laughs> am I right or am I right? Now, whenever he goes overseas, you're like, oh, God, the Pope's scowling at him. Remember when he took the picture with the Pope and the Pope went? The Pope. If there's one person in the world who has mercy in their heart for everything that walks or crawls. When Orange 45 stood next to him, he went. And you could hear the internal monologue of the Pope, who I believe is gay, but... That's just me and my fervent wishing. <laughs> the Pope's internal monologue was, this fucking guy. <laughs> so he hired a new lawyer, and the new lawyer's name is, I'm not kidding, Ty Cobb. <laughs> if you know anything about baseball, you know two things. Ty Cobb has the most hits of all time, the second or third most steals of all time, and was the most noted racist in the history of baseball. <laughs> he beat up black people on several occasions. He beat up a man, a white man, with no hands in the stands one day because the guy called him an end bomb and he jumped into the stands and beat him and started stamping on him with his cleats. And fans remonstrated with Tyrus Raymond Cobb and said he doesn't have any hands and Tyrus Cobb's rejoinder was I don't care if he has any feet <laughs> he is related to him he's a distant cousin he also has a bizarre mustache again the supervillains 
let's see here. Oh, we talked about Pruitt. Oh, Betsy DeVos. No, we don't have time. <laughs> Betsy DeVos met with men's groups this week and with groups that don't support Title IX. In other words, the issue of sexual assault, if you were the Secretary of Education and you were a woman, what might your priorities be? Let me just throw a couple out. It might be that women get a, a fair and equal education, that student loans uh, to uh, private universities uh, be uh, you know, looked after so that people who go to private universities that fuck them over, such as Trump University, um, don't have to be liable for their student loans. You might also be aware, since Brock Turner and a million other cases, that sexual assault on campus is a real issue. Betsy DeVos is meeting with groups that believe that's not an issue and uh, that they want to revoke Title IX, um, basically because Obama supported it. She's also unbelievably rich. She is, in fact, a billionaire. There's never been a cabinet assembled that's as rich as this cabinet. Her brother is Eric Price, who runs Blackwater. Blackwater was Dick Cheney's first choice for all of the, uh, um, what do they call them, mercenaries in, uh, in Iraq. Blackwater is a giant private security company. And he suggested, but a week ago, that we replace our American troops in Afghanistan with mercenary troops. This is what's going on. Um, the damage that men do. Um, here, here we go. Uh, let's see. Oh, we had the G20 thing. We talked about that. I'm going to skip forward here. He went to France uh, this week, and I couldn't help but be jealous because Paris was so beautiful on camera. I don't know if anyone watched any of him in France. Um, Macron played him like a salmon on a line. I don't know what you fish for in Oklahoma. In Texas, it's crappy. Just, Catfish, you know, you don't fish for catfish. You fucking stick your hand in a hole and you wrestle that fucker out. Fuck you. You fucking reach in and fucking. Ah! Sometimes it's a snake, sometimes whatever. Ah! Catfish. My cousin George had a catfish pond in Mississippi. There's nothing more revolting than a catfish. Let's be honest. And then you stick your hand in the fucker's mouth. Ooh. I admit it, they're delicious. Little cornbread, whatnot. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I've forgotten my time. Oh, Macron uh, and his wife uh, met Trump. They, they took him to eat at the Eiffel Tower. Only the stupidest tourist eats at the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> but because it's him, he was like, wow, this is tall. He actually said, because Macron Facebook Live the entire fucking day, they were in one of the Des Invalides where Napoleon's buried and where all the... Uh, uh, there's a fantastic exhibit in Des Invalides of the Marquis de Lafayette who came to the United States to help us win the revolution. And it has his field desk, his dog... Oh, no, Napoleon's dog's there. Uh, it has Laf the Marquis de Lafayette's field desk, which is a portable 18th century desk. So the legs fold out, and it opens up, and there's an inkwell. And I, um, I got a heart on when I saw it. <laughs> Marquis de Lafayette was a women's rights champion, supported the revolution, and was one of the great enlightened thinkers of the 18th century. And we had the very great fortune of having him come over and help train the troops during the revolution. And uh, that's at Des Invalides as well. Uh, it, it, 
Orange 45 said to Macron, oh, hey, who's the architect of this building? He did the other one too, right? He's got to be like the greatest, right? No. Yeah, he fucking did. Someone just went, no, yes. As I said before, the floor is open and there's no more Lincoln Logs. But that's, that's not the point of everything. Uh, uh, the point is this. Uh, you can see how scared um, the Senate is uh, over this crappy bill. And you can see how scared uh, the government is over the investigation into collusion and whatnot. I don't want to go over it and over it and over it because I'm not a newscaster. I'm a fucking comedian with a podcast. I'm here, one, to drop uh, some 411. But I'm also here to tell you uh, that we're in the majority, the resistance is alive, and that you are a living fucking part of it. The fact that you came here tonight um, and didn't go to Garth Brooks says almost everything. <laughs> and, yeah, that's right. It's not just silliness, and it's not hippie bullshit. It is the fucking reality. The fact that you had two representatives take seats this week is so imperative. You can't believe it. This is Oklahoma. Look what you fucking did. The forces of evil <laughs> will never stop massing. And that has to just be a given. A small primate from Southeast Asia. And what also has to be a given is that you know that we're all connected heart-to-heart uh, -heart and hand-to-hand. -hand, and that it really doesn't take that much. If you enjoy any privilege at all, it's your imperative to advance on that privilege and to help other people. If you don't enjoy any privilege, you have the right to expect that the people who do have some privilege will exert theirs on your behalf. And that's all I can say. I don't think that the world is going to get worse. I think the world's going to be the way the world is. Chaotic and fucking unpredictable, horrible and slightly depressing. On the other hand, it's going to be full of love and laughter and unbelievable volcanic orgasmic fucking joy. Uh, we can make it so. You've got to balance your life. You've got to review your life. And you've got to understand that helping other people and doing something about your life. Tacitus said, uh, the Roman philosopher, you must change your life. And you can. And that's the exciting part. I have a coin purse that I am going to put my drugs and my money in. I'm going to take it home with me and I'm going to remember this. Uh, because um, every time I go uh, all around the country, I don't find red and blue and I don't find conservative and liberal. I don't find any of that fucking nonsense. I find people that are gravy. And I find that everyone's interested and engaged. Um, you know people who aren't. You know what? They're never going to be. But you know what? They might one day. And that's cool too. Um, we have to all move together as one gigantic um, protoplasmic mass. I appear to have lost the thread at this point. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. I know exactly where I am. What I wanted to say is this. Um, we're going to be uh, in um, uh, San Francisco next week, and then Pasadena the week after, and then Edinburgh with the Who's Line crew, and then uh, doing a couple podcasts there, and then in London doing the podcast as well, and then on the road with Who's Line, We'll also be in Denver, uh, right after we're in Edinburgh, and uh, on and on, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, whatnot, as the year goes by. Uh, come and join us on all these things. I couldn't be more thrilled uh, that you guys came out tonight. 
It means the goddamn world to me. And I couldn't be thrilled, more thrilled, uh, that I have the opportunity uh, to be able to espouse my fucking poison on stage. Um, I know, right? And I'm really extra super thrilled that I have the killing on DVD and a bag of limoncello lemon drops. I want to thank you guys. You've been the smartest crowd in the world. I've been the smartest man in the world. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. Maybe Paige and Turn, maybe Sasha Page, maybe Belvin Reese, maybe Cool Papa Bell. And if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're very bonds. I wish you nothing but peace and love.